0: Hello and welcome to the podcast of Emanuel Assemblies of God in Knoxville, Tennessee. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen. If you're ever in our area, we invite you to join us for one of our worship services. For times and locations, please visit at EmmanuelAG.com. So today I want to talk to you about this expression, the obedience of faith. Obedience is an expression of faith. Think about it obedience is an expression of faith I didn't want to go so far as to say obedience equals faith although I think it's very very close to be honest with you because you put action to your faith you obey the word of God but obedience definitely is an expression of faith is it not? here's what's interesting about obedience to me obedience requires no emotion obedience needs no excitement You can choose to do it at any time. You don't need warm feelings. You don't need a witness of the spirit to be obedient. You don't need confirmation or the anointing. You don't need dreams or visions or confirmation by angels. In fact, you can be afraid and still obey. Obedience is actually an exercise of your will. All you need to know to be obedient is one thing, what did God say? And if you know what did God say, you can be obedient. Because obedience is your choice. It's an exercise of your will. See, isn't it easy to have faith? We don't have to have all the things that we think we need we have to be in faith. We just have to be obedient. So I want to talk today about obedience. In the opening paragraph of the book of Romans, Paul also uses this phrase, the obedience of faith. He says this in Romans 1.5, that through Jesus, he has received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations. The obedience of faith. Then you go to the end of the book, or close to the end, Romans chapter 15, and listen what it says in verse 18. For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience. To bring the Gentiles to obedience. By word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem all the way around to um, Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. Do you see that the ministry, the purpose of the gospel of Christ, is to make you obedient to the gospel? I don't want just a profession. It's not just a profession. It's a laying down your life. It's coming into the kingdom. It's being obedient the gospel amen so obedience is essential you know we don't talk about it much today i don't hear many preachers on youtube talking about obedience but they knew about it years ago tell me if you've ever heard this trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy in jesus but to trust and obey that come from that came from uh was inspired in one of dl moody's meetings Back in the, uh, let's see, 1886 So when they, when they started writing that song, Trust and Obey. Normal Christianity back then, trust and obey. What are you going to do? I'm going to trust and I'm going to obey. Now, <laughs> we say we're trusting, but i got to work through my issues. I don't know if I can do that. <laughs> God's got to help me to understand it. It's got to make sense to me first. Now, why would God do it like that? How about just obey? gonna get in this book, see what the claims of the gospel are, and obey. Obedience is an exciting thing. I've got some really good things here. Obedience is better than sacrifice, it says. Remember when Samuel disobeyed God? And he was trying to convince, or not Samuel, um, Saul, thank you so much, all my scholars. <laughs> Saul disobeyed God, and Samuel came, and, uh, and he says, you know, you disobeyed God. And he's like, no, I didn't. <laughs> he's like, yes, you did. He says obedience is better than sacrifice. Do you remember it was through one man's disobedience that many were made sinners? It was through one man's obedience that the many will be made righteous. Obedience is a big deal, isn't it? (laughs) Obedience is what makes your faith come alive. You know, another way we can say that is how James uses the, the phrase faith by itself. James uh, 2.17, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But if you connect obedience to what you're doing, your faith comes alive. I want a living faith, don't you? I don't want a dead faith. I don't, hey, I don't, I don't want traditions and religion and blah, yuck. I want life. I want to be connected to God. Obedience. Even Abraham's faith was expressed in his obedience. It goes on there in James chapter 2. Look at verse 21. He says that that when he offered his son Isaac on the altar, that his faith was active along with his works, and his faith was completed by his works. He was obeying God. God said, sacrifice your son, your only son, right? And we know that was a prefigure of what God would do with his son later. But still, Abraham was obedient to the voice of God, was he not? It says in Hebrews eleven eight 8 that by faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. So obedience then is an expression of faith. Obedience is the very thing that turns your faith into an experience. I want to experience God, don't you? I don't want a creed without an experience. I don't want promises without the power. See, I want you guys to be dangerous. I want to be dangerous. You know what I'm saying, dangerous? I want to be dangerous for the kingdom of darkness. I want them to fear you when you wake up in the morning. <laughs> because what, you, what are you going to do now? <laughs> You know what I mean? Here he's working on, setting up his systems and getting people in a mindset of, you know, of helplessness and hopelessness and failure. And here comes the Christian carrying the light of God. Man, everything he worked for for the last five years with this person is over in a minute because a Christian walks into their life. I want you to be dangerous. I want the devil to fear you. Oh, no, he's awake. (laughs) What am I going to (laughs) do? See, the devil doesn't care what we believe. He cares about what we do. When we start living like Jesus and doing the things Jesus did, he gets freaked out. But as long as we just sit around and say what we believe and argue about doctrinal points, he's not worried a bit. Not even a little bit. See, God has spoken, and there is a promise of entering into his life. The book of Hebrews uses this phrase, entering into his rest. And as an example, it talks about those Israelites in the wilderness who could not enter the promised land because of disobedience. They did not obey the voice of God. Look at Hebrews 4, chapter uh, chapter 4, verse 1, 1 and 2 actually. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For the good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. We talked about this Wednesday. We had a good service Wednesday, didn't we? For those who were here, it was, uh, it was fun. We were talking about faith. And uh, yeah, we were ready to run around the room, I think. <laughs> We, we we held it together. I'm a pretty calm person. But it was good. <laughs> it, was, it was good. We looked at this verse. It's interesting. You know, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And uh, here the Word is preached to them, but it did them no good. Is it possible to hear the Word and it not benefit you at all? That's a scary thought, isn't it? Because we think that we can put on the tapes and put on the Word and hear the, have the Bible playing over and over, that I'm hearing the Word, that it's doing something. But if my heart is not connected with faith, I'm just listening to somebody read a book. This is living, but it needs to be planted in your heart to be coming alive. Listen to what the King James says. It says that the Word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. The word preached did not profit them. The Amplified says that the message they heard did not benefit them because it was not united with faith in God by those who heard. The Amplified kind of makes it sound like you need faith in God to hear his word and to do any good in you. Amen? The CEV says that they failed to believe what they heard and the message didn't do them any good. Hearing is not enough, is it? You've got to believe. You've got to be connected with trust in the one you're hearing. And finally, the NIV says that the message they heard was of no value to them because they did not share in the faith of those who obeyed. See, Joshua and Caleb were faithful. They obeyed. If you remember the story from Numbers, they're the ones who said, no, let's go, surely, yeah, they're big, they're strong, the cities are fortified. But if God delights in us, he said, they said, he will give us the land. But those, those who died in the wilderness, they did not share in that kind of faith. And so even though they heard the same command, they doubted. They disobeyed. So no matter how you read it, the final result is that they did not obey God and they were unable to enter because of unbelief. See, God has spoken and he is speaking. But if we do not enter into a life of trust and obey, it won't do us any good either. That's why the Bible, Hebrews gives us the warnings. Let's pay much closer attention to what we've heard so that we don't drift away from it, that we don't let it slide by us, that we don't let it slip away. Let's pay attention to these things. Have you guys ever heard the phrase, the willing suspension of disbelief? The willing suspension of disbelief. I always thought that that was attributed to Walt Disney, but I, I looked it up and it was actually um, the poet and philosopher Samuel Coleridge who's the one who, who came up with the concept. Um, the suspension of be- disbelief basically means that when, you know, in his time it would have been a poem or a, um, a, a theater, you know, reading literature or going to a theater. Um, today they have the philosophy behind um, film, you know, movies, but when you go into that theater, uh, it basically means that when you read the story or go to a play or a movie, you intentionally avoid critical thinking on purpose so that you can accept, accept the story, no matter how impossible it is. You throw human interest in the story, you'll believe almost anything just to see how that story works out for the moment. Just it's a willing suspension of disbelief. That's why when you go in there, you can ignore everything you know about physics And believe that a man wearing a metal suit can fly and shoot energy bursts out of his hands. You really suspend your disbelief and for that hour and a half or two hours, whatever it is, you believe that. So that you can enjoy the storyline, right? That's why um, you believe that humans could travel in spaceships at warp speed to other galaxies and interact with other life forms. You, You accept that reality for the sake of the movie, Right. Or you can uh, believe that fish can talk to one another and find their son, Nemo. <laughs> you believe that fairies are real. You believe that Narnia and Never Neverland are real parallel worlds. <laughs> you, th- you accept, you believe that Chuck Norris can single handedly defeat an entire army with his roundhouse kick. I know that's true. That's not <laughs> that. true. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I, it was on the movies. I know it was real. <laughs> I know I could do that if I could just train like Chuck Norris. Back in the day, they used to have those, uh, he used to um, sell those Chuck Norris kicking jeans. <laughs> you could stretch. and <laughs> yeah, That's the problem. If you had the kicking jeans, I'm sure he was wearing those in the movie. And so you go to the show, you willingly accept the most impossible Scenarios, And actually, you become emotionally involved in the story. I mean, thats if you can't get emotionally involved in the story, it's not fun to go to, right? You get invested in there. You give it your thought, your attention, your emotions. You're rooting for the good guy. How are they going to get, get done, right? And so you're invested in this thing. And then what happens? You walk out of the theater. You walk back into reality where people don't fly, <laughs> where Chuck Norris really can't save the day. And you walk back into your, your reality, and those things that you saw in there don't work in the real world that you live in. It's the willing suspension of disbelief. And, you know, I think sometimes we come to church. This is ouch. This is going to hurt. <laughs> you come to church. Here, nothing is impossible. We talk about the past, past moves of God, Wigglesworth and Azusa Street and growing out limbs and all these things. And we talk about what God's gonna do in the future, how revival's gonna come and and all of this. We we look at Jesus, the Superman. He can heal sickness with his words, he can walk on water, he can glow with the glory of God. He can even make himself invisible and walk right through the crowd that's trying to drive him off the cliff. It's awesome. And then we talk about being clothed with power on high clothed with power like Iron Man puts on a suit, you know what I'm saying? And we can go out and do the same things Jesus did. And then we pray, we dismiss, we say amen, and we go out into the regular world where we don't see that stuff happening. I don't want to live in that world. That's the devil's world. That's not reality. This is reality. You know, I live in the world, but I don't want that world to live in me. Right? You know, you you come here, you pray, then you need to go over there and you say, well, how can I work this situation out on my own? How's it really going to... What about... I'm sorry, what about the prayer? What about the miracle? What about what we believe about the kingdom of God? Faith is not a willing suspension of disbelief. We're not just trying to have a good show, Amen. We're talking about reality. This is meant to be lived out here and out there. The glory of God follows you. You know, I'm a citizen of heaven. Amen? Right now, I'm a citizen of heaven. In here, out there, wherever, I am a citizen of heaven. I'm not a citizen of the devil's world. I'm a citizen of heaven. Right now, in this present time, in this messed up world, I am a part of the coming new creation. The new creation where God comes, where His will is done. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I'm a part of that new creation right now in this present time. The kingdom goes where you go. The glory of God goes where you go. Amen? Amen. Goodness and mercy pursue me and blessings overtake me. And that is real life. I'm not going to succumb to this uh, kill, steal, and destroy world that the devil created. You know, people get sick, they'll say, terminal, no hope. There's no such thing as no hope. Nothing is impossible. We sing it, it's true. I believe it. Do you believe it? Amen. Nothing is impossible. There's no such thing about as terminal or hopeless in the kingdom of God. Amen. No such thing. I don't want to live in the world of depression, fear, and hopelessness. I'm not going to live in that world. I'm going to experience all that God has for me. I'm going to be that place where heaven invades earth. You be that place where heaven invades earth. And the key to opening yourself up to this world is obedience. (laughs) Go with me to Philippians chapter 2 verse 12. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only in my presence, but much more in my absence. See what he says? As you have always obeyed, not not only in my presence, but much more in my absence. Then there's this word, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. The goal here is not to work for your salvation. We know salvation is a gift, a free gift, faith and grace, right? But now that you've received this, what do you do? You work it out. The best way I've heard this verse described was you work it out into all the areas of your life. It's like kneading the dough to get the yeast spread through all the dough. You take this gift of salvation and you work it out into every area of your life. Work it out into your home life. Right? Take this salvation, work it out into your family. Work it out into your workplace. Work it into your relationships. Work it out, amen. It's a free gift, but you work it into all the areas of your life. And the way to do that is to be a doer of the word, to be obedient. I want to just give you a couple examples here of how obedience is the um, leads us to experience God, the supernatural. Okay, a couple examples. First, we saw already from uh, Abraham in Hebrews eleven eight that by faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. What happened if Abraham would not have obeyed? See, he went out not knowing where he was going. He didn't say, God, you got to explain it all to me first. If God would have explained it to him, I'm telling you, he he would not have gone. (laughs) Well, you're going to go out and you're going to get really old and you're going to hang on to this promise and You're going to have, oh yeah, you're going to have a visitation with angels and stuff, but it's only going to be a couple of times in your long, long life. And you're going to have to hang on to those promises. And then you're going to mess up and your wife's going to mess up and you guys are going to come up with a plan and it's going to be wrong. He'd have been like, um, (laughs) much, but he went out not knowing he obeyed God. He followed God and look who he became. The father of a multitude. And more importantly, the father of Israel. The lineage of the Messiah. What an honor. Amen. Obedience took him there. He couldn't conceive it. He couldn't see it. He didn't know, but he obeyed. Amen. Do you remember Jesus at the wedding? Turning the water into wine. They ran out of wine. What 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 they came to Jesus and they said Jesus we're out of wine. He says uh, don't bother me. <laughs> and so what did his, his mom must have been the um, what do you call it who's the wedding planner who coordinates all that the event coordinator because she's obviously in charge because this concerned her that they're out of wine. He's like Jesus they're out of wine. So he says uh, you know don't bother me and she says to the servants there just do whatever he tells you. Yep. Just do what he tells you. That is the key to a miracle right there. Do what he tells you. Like, why are we filling these up with water? Are they going to wash again or what? Take the water out and give it to the head man. What? <laughs> what does he want the water for? And the next thing, they have wine. A miracle because of obedience. Obedience will take you farther than you can go with your own imagination. See, you got to believe, you got to believe that God is doing something and he's working towards something and we want to get in his program. We're not trying just to harness him and make him work for our own agenda. We're working with him and obedience will take us and make us look smarter <laughs> and be at the right place at the right time. Obedience. Go with me to Ezekiel chapter 37. I'm going to go to the Old Testament. Old Testament. Ezekiel chapter thirty-seven. You know the story of those dry bones, dim bones, dim bones, dim dry bones. Ezekiel thirty-seven, verse one. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord, and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. Now imagine God taking you out and setting you down in the middle of a valley full of bones. (laughs) And he led me around among them. And behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley. And behold, they were very dry. And he's looking around at these bones. And the Lord says to him, Son of man, can these bones live? What would you have said? Oh, yeah, I believe it. Anything's possible. (laughs) I think, like I heard one preacher say, I think Ezekiel is looking around at these dry bones, these dead bodies everywhere and thinking, I'm wondering if this is the other prophets (laughs) that he brought out here who didn't answer the question correctly. (laughs) So he's going to answer very carefully here. Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, Oh, Lord God, you know. (laughs) Because he didn't know. (laughs) He wasn't going to say no. He wasn't going to say yes. He didn't know. (laughs) Oh, God, you know. Then he said to me, prophesy over those bones and say to them. And he goes on, Oh, bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones. Behold, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you and I will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. And <laughs> Ezekiel's looking like, <laughs> they're dead. <laughs> they're dry bones. Next verse says this, so I prophesied as I was commanded. He didn't know if they could live or not. He had no vision of a mighty army raising up, did he? But he obeyed God, didn't he? He prophesied. And when he prophesied, there was a sound, and behold, a rattling. And the bones came together, bone to bone. And I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them. But there was no breath in them. So he goes on, he prophesies to the breath to come and breathe on them, and they became a living army because Ezekiel was obedient he didn't try to figure it out first he didn't even know if it was possible see don't limit God by your own inability to see it yeah, that's good. Yeah. don't limit God by what you understand with your mind what does Ephesians 3.20 say? Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. If I can't ask it or think it, then how can I have it in my life? How can I appropriate it? If I can't imagine it, if I don't know how to articulate it, if I don't even know what I'm wanting... How can I have it in my life? Obedience. Because if you wait till you can figure it out, you're limited by what you can figure out. But if you step out and obey God, you can have beyond, abundantly beyond what you can ask or even imagine. Isn't that good? Obedience will take you beyond There we go. Obedience will take you beyond what you can ask or even imagine. You know, sometimes you don't have the answer and you can't figure it out. But what you can do is obey God and doors will open for you that you've not even been able to see from where you're standing right now. And then finally, I want to look at Luke chapter 10. I love Luke chapter 10. This is when he sends out the 72 remember when Jesus commissioned 72 people to go out and do healing ministry and preach the gospel? Luke chapter 10, starting at verse 1. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him. You know, we talk about the the disciples, you know, the apostles, they could do the ministry. You know, in Jesus' time, there was at least, if we take these 72 and then add Jesus and add the 12 to it, you have at least, what, 84 people running around doing miracles. And then after Pentecost, I mean, there's just unnamed people doing miracles. It's all over the place. It's our heritage. It's what God wants to do through us. Amen? So we have the 72 here. And the Lord appointed them. He sent them out ahead of them, two by two, in every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them in verse 2, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So he sends them out and he gives them these instructions. Skip down to verse um, eight. He says, Whenever you go into a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you, which is why I am not a missionary. (laughs) (laughs) I got you, (laughs) Brie. heal the sick in it and say to them the kingdom of God has come near you so they're told to go out and they're told to heal the sick right and preach the gospel and then you go down to verse 17 when they return the 72 return with joy saying Lord even the demons are subject to us in your name why are they surprised see that tells me they went out there obeyed God put their hands on a sick person, and they got healed. The demon left them, and they're like, this really does work. Let's go tell Jesus. Lord, even the demons are subject to us. You know, what we think we need to have, this faith, this conviction, like, I know I'm going to do it, and we stir ourselves up, and and all that, what we really need is obedience. We need obedience. They went out and obeyed God, and they found out that the demons went in His name, Obedience. So God says, resist the devil. You don't see how in the world you can resist this and this will ever change. How about let's try obeying God and let's stand there and resist and watch God put you over. Amen. He says to speak to the mountain. He says, if you say to the mountain, be removed. Don't try to figure out how your words are going to move a mountain. Just speak to the thing. Just obey and let God move it for you. Amen? amen. He says, lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. Don't try to figure out how your hands can, you know, your hands that you work with, that you, you know, fix cars with or wash dishes with or build houses with or type on the, just your hands. How can your hands heal the sick? I don't know. But let's just obey God. Let's do what he said. Amen. 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 So what I want to do here, just in the last few minutes we have, I want to obey God. I want to obey God. So I'm going to go ahead and just uh, turn off our live stream Hmm? so that we can have the freedom. Uh, I know it's going to start talking to me in a second because it always starts. (laughs) Here we go. All right, I'm going to turn off live stream. And I just want to know, does anybody have any need? Anything that we can pray with? Anything we can pray for that we want to just obey God? And if there's a sickness in your body, we just want to gather around you. We want to do what the Word of God says. We want to lay hands on you and expect God to do what He said He would do. If there's a need in your life, we just want to agree in prayer. The Bible says where two or more of you agree, it will be done. And yeah, I don't know how it's going to get done. But I want to obey God. Amen. You know what? I don't need to get excited. I don't need to, to jump over the pews and all that stuff to obey God. Obeying God doesn't require a bunch of emotion. Obeying God is the act of my will. And so I want to know, is there anything, anything that we can pray with you for that uh, we can just gather around and uh, we're just going to treat it like a Wednesday night. You stay right where you are, raise your hand, and we're just going to have a few minutes of a prayer meeting. Is that okay? Would that be all right with you guys? We'll just gather around and any need you have, anything you want to take to the Lord, anything you want somebody to agree with you with, just uh, let's go ahead and and, uh, take that time, okay? Okay, Lord, I just thank you for this opportunity. Lord, we are standing here in obedience to you. Lord, we are going to do our part as an act of our will because we believe your word. We will go forward into the land. We will not look at the circumstances. We won't say that they're overwhelming, that we have to back down, that, that why did you bring us out here to this impossible situation? No, sir, we will obey your voice because if you brought us to this point, you will take us through. If you told us to do these things, we will step into them. So Father God, as we take these moments to minister, Lord, we just invite you to do what only you can do as we obey your voice in Jesus' name.